On a beautiful run through the park on a pleasant day, you can easily get lost. No, no, no! She didn't kill him. Huh? In your true crime podcast. It was the pool guy. So obvious. Whatever motivates you works for us. It's all about letting your run be your run. And Brooks is here for every runner, doing the research and sweating the details to create gear that works for you. It's your run. Brooks, run happy. Hello and welcome to the Ice Guys, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. This is the show that takes you into the world of the National Hockey League. Every game, every day from a sports friendly perspective. With pro handicappers Alex B. Smith, Andrew McKinnis, and Ian Cameron, and veteran sports writer Jimmy Murphy. And now, here's your host, Ian Cameron. Welcome to the Ice Guys, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. Thursday, May 26th, Ian Cameron, Alex B. Smith, and we are here for a Thursday with two big games. Two game fives, one series tied 2-2, the other, the Calgary Flames, up against the brink, facing elimination tonight in the Battle of Alberta uh, against the uh, Edmonton Oilers. Uh, We'll break those games down in just a second. Look, there's no guests today. Shocker. Uh, It has been a a loaded month on this show since the playoffs started. We've had... Uh, guests almost every show. So guess what? You have to put up with us today. Uh, it's just the way it is. Just a regular old mundane ice guys show. Just the regular <laughs> crew. I mean, it's just got to put up with us, unfortunately, today. But uh, good to have everyone with us, though, and people in the chat. And it's nice. Olaf. I got to sh- shout out him. Olaf Bub. Olaf F-U-B. He has been in our chat many days uh, on this show in the past. And he was on our BetCast. And it was it's nice to have, you know, put faces to the names. Uh, he was on the BetCast Tuesday night, and thanks for joining us, Olaf. You did a great job uh, on the BetCast. So it's it's kind of cool now. You know, you have someone that's been in your uh, YouTube chat for months, if not a year or two, uh, de- de- during our shows, and, you you know, you finally get to see them on the BetCast the other night. It's pretty cool when you see that. So, uh, Olaf, shout out to you uh, for being on the BetCast, and thanks for joining us as often as you do it's people like you that keep the show going right alex yeah absolutely like i said you know that's part of the reason why we do these live betcasts obviously you know you know want to have kind of more of a camaraderie with our guests and and you know the followers and so forth so yeah it's always cool to see uh like i said the new faces and you know match faces with names and so forth there we go unmute myself uh you know what uh this is that time of year i don't know if you feel that way alex and i know there's part of you when we've chatted back and forth part of you is ready for the season end. it's been a very <laughs> long uh, hockey season you're saying you know we're gonna we might be playing games especially with how many six seven game series we had especially in the first round you know this thing might get stretched out till uh, early july might be what we're looking at until when a stanley cup is uh, hoisted over somebody's head it could be that long but uh Nevertheless, this is that time of year, Alex, where I'm starting to feel it. Like the season's really coming to an end or it's yeah. down to the wire now because now we've got days with no games. You know, we're at the point of the season where we're not going to have a nice guys show every single day, seven days a week like we've had for the majority of the season. This is really when you start to feel it in your bones that, hey, the hockey season's winding down a little bit. Yeah, as soon as you get to the conference finals and, then you know, we were talking about just one game a day and, you know, alternating and then all of a sudden, like I said, with, you know, depending on how the schedule gets stretched out. We're not sure, you know, like I said, how long it's going to be. could be, you know, to the end of, of June or even into July. So, yeah, it is that kind of feeling for sure, especially when you see a team. We've already got one team advance, uh, almost had a second team advance uh, last night. Of course, we'll talk about that game. But, uh, yeah, you know, things are winding down and we're getting, you know, getting down to, to the uh, the nitty gritty, the conference finals and, of course, the, the cup final coming up in the next, you know, three to four weeks. All right, we're going to start by looking back on uh, last night, St. Louis and Colorado, uh, game five. And, I mean, when I'm watching that game unfold, I think, wow, this Colorado Avalanche team, we talk about, what is it now, I believe, three years? Or is it even four years in a row uh, where they have gotten failed to get out of the uh, second round uh, for this uh, Avalanche team? And they come out with a chance at on home ice to end this series clinch this series, wrap it up against the Blues, and move on to the Western Conference Final. And if you watch that first period, and even the second period for the most part, the tour de force that they put on the Colorado Avalanche, you're like, wow, this team's ready. This team's ready. Uh, And and you look at how they played. They got off to the 3-0 lead. They were all over St. Louis. That game is 5-6-0 after the first period, if not for Vili Husso. I thought Vili Husso was tremendous the whole night. 
because St. Louis was giving up the slot area. They were giving up these odd man rushes, the transition game and the speed that Colorado delivers in transition just absolutely crippled St. Louis's defense time and time again. And in a lot of those instances, Billy Huso bailed them out. And if not for him, that could have been even worse than the three, nothing deficit. So St. Louis gets that, you know, late second period goal. They make it three to one. I'm still not that concerned at that time for the Colorado avalanche. I'm saying, you know what? They've played a great 40 minutes. They've been all over the blues. They've controlled this game. They've looked like they've come out from the beginning with a purpose to end this series, to learn from mistakes and past transgressions and, and, and bad, you know, bad heartbreaks of the past, the whole bit. And then the third period happens. And when you watch that third period, you have to start asking some tough questions of this hockey team. You really have to start asking some tough questions of this hockey team, because to me, it's inexcusable, it's unacceptable, it's unfathomable that this Colorado Avalanche team has a 3-0 lead on home ice, has Nathan McKinnon playing like an absolute beast, dominating, dominating all over the ice for 60 min- 60 plus minutes. You couldn't have asked for anything more from Nathan McKinnon last night in that hockey game. And you're up 3-0 at one point in your building with a chance to clinch and do something you haven't done. And that's get to the conference finals for the first time with this core, McKinnon, Ranton, and Landeskog. I'm talking about the core led by those three guys have the chance to get to the conference finals. You're dominating for two periods. And you come out from the very first drop of the puck in the third period. And you play timid. You play scared. You play like you, you're really terrified of making a play with the puck. I couldn't believe what I was watching after what I saw from Colorado in the first two periods. And now I have to wonder to myself, is there a fucking mental block right now with this team? Like, that's a legit question that has to be posed to the Avalanche. And only they know. But how do you go? How do you go from playing like you do in the first two periods last night to playing like that in the third period? giving the puck away left and right, treating the puck like a hand grenade, not making crisp passes, scared to make a play, totally on your heels for the whole third period. St. Louis played, I would say, 98% of that third period in the Colorado zone. You know, it, it, it was shocking to me to see that from this Avalanche team after coming out in the first two periods and dominating, looking like a team that's ready to make their way to the conference finals and play like that in the third period. You can't believe it. It's almost like, you know what? We don't go out there expecting to get it done. We kind of expect the worst to happen. That's kind of like it's a mental mindset thing that I think leads to a third period like that when you've had years and years of falling up, falling short at this stage of the Stanley Cup playoffs. And that's something they've got to figure it out internally. How do we get over this mental block? How do we get over these mental midget problems that we have right now where we can't put the foot down on the throat of somebody? And you look at the way St. Louis kind of 3-2, and of course they tied at 3-3, and at that moment I'm very concerned for St. Louis. But then they get another moment of absolute brilliance from Nathan McKinnon, end-to-end, one of the best playoff goals you'll probably see, uh, and certainly of the last few years, 4-3, and I'm like, oh, wow. Exhale, sigh of relief, 4-3 with a few minutes to go, just hang on for these next few minutes, and that's going to be looked at as one of those fairy tale. You know, we finally got over the hump moments and it's Nathan McKinnon's brilliance there on that end to end goal that, yeah, hey, that's our moment. That's the moment the Colorado Avalanche came of age, finally got over that second round hump. Caller and Nathan McKinnon led the way with a hat trick, with a dominant performance all over in that game. Unbelievable effort. And I thought, here we go. They're finally going to get their fairy tale ending here and get to the Western Conference Finals. But nope. But no, that didn't happen. Uh, St. Louis ties it 4-4 in the final minute. And Colorado's got no one else to blame. If you watch that whole sequence with the extra attacker for the St. Louis Blues after Billy Huso got pulled, that was a team petrified with the puck on their stick. Petrified. Scared shitless. Why is that? These are hard questions you have to ask of this team. Why are you playing like this in the big moments? Timid. Scared. Terrified petrified to make plays 
to move the puck properly, to find your teammate instead of throwing it to the middle of the ice, which led to almost a St. Louis goal seconds before they actually tied it in the final minute. Why is this happening? Why is this team doing things like that? Why are they not playing with poise? Why are they not playing with patience? Why are they not making the proper plays to wrap up these games and finish them off the right way? Why? All I could do was ask myself those questions over and over again after that game ended last night. Why? Why is there such panic in this hockey team? Still, and we saw it again last night, uh, tying goal, failures to clear the puck over and over again. How many times did they have a chance to get the goddamn puck out on that sequence and clear the zone? And Landeskog, timid. You know, in, a, in an era where the coaches are telling the players, shoot for the empty net, fuck the icing, just go for the empty net, you know, end the game, maybe end the series. And here's Landeskog just, you know, casually skating it up to the, making sure he gains the center ice line and then just throwing a hopeless shot that had no chance to go into the empty net. It's just all of these things that add up, the giveaways, the failures to get the puck out of the defensive zone. Robert Thomas, and not boxing out on the, re hey, I love Kale McCarr. He's a great defenseman. Box out, my friend. You let Robert Thomas have a whack at that rebound, and it ended up in 4-4. And then we see go to overtime, and I wasn't feeling good about Colorado in overtime because, you know, it feels like you screwed up a chance to have that Nathan McKinnon signature goal be the goal that stands up for you, that you were going to pay the ultimate price and lose this game. And sure enough, Tyler Bozak in overtime, and a goal that I'd like to see my goaltender stop. You know, we can't absolve Darcy Kemper of blame either. Make a save for me. Find a way. He made some good saves. He was not bad in the game. But in the big moments, give me a save. And the Tyler Bozak goal, I know a little screen. There was not exactly a clean shot that he could see. But make a save for me. You've had a great season. I'd like to see you stop that. Didn't happen. Bozak scores. Overtime win for St. Louis. And here we go to game six. And now this poor Avs team with Landeskog. McKinnon, and they're already being asked about it. You know, how do you bounce back from this, given what's happened in the past? And they're just saying, hey, we're... McKinnon said it right, though. I like the way he responded. It's just going to test us. We're going to find out what we're all about. You know, we're going to find out. Go into St. Louis in game six. It's a place they've won twice already uh, in this series. They won both games, game three and game four in St. Louis. So show some mental backbone, show some mental fortitude. And all I can say for Colorado is, they better hope to show that mental fortitude sometime in the next possibly two games of this series because this is utterly, utterly disastrous if somehow they're not going through after this series to the Western Conference Finals. They got two games to figure it out, possibly up to two games to figure it out. Let's see if they do. But to me, thoroughly disappointing. How do you lose that game? Three nothing at home. Nathan McKinnon dominating, can't be stopped, does everything in his power to end the series, and you still lose that game. How? I don't know. The, and the how and the why questions, Colorado's got to ask that of themselves because this is now becoming a mental, mental thing with them, and it's, a, and it's a worrisome thing. It's a troubling thing, and the fans, I'm sure they're just as troubled. So that's my thoughts there. Uh, let's get Alex B. Smith's thoughts on a uh, rather shocking uh, turnaround for the St. Louis Blues last night. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, Colorado, the way that they jumped all over – uh, Huso and the Blues in that first period, like I said, if it wasn't for Huso making some big saves, that it could have been easily five nothing, uh, if not six nothing after twenty minutes of play, and then all of a sudden they just kind of just settled back a bit. And you know, St. Louis, obviously they're a resilient team. You have to give them uh, some semblance of credit as well for, for coming okay. back and even and even getting back to even a, a one goal lead, uh, so because they they could have just mentally checked out easily after after that first period and gone in the locker room and say, you know what, we're done. There's no way we're going to be able to, to, to rally back, especially with that crowd, the way that they were rolling for, for all night. And it was just you know, everything just seemed to be going against them. But they were able to kind of push forward, get the game tied. And then that McKinnon, like I said, the hat, not only was it, you know, like I said, he's been was dominated all night, but for that to be the hat trick and, and the crowd going nuts, everybody throwing the hats. And, and you wonder that that extra time kind of almost give St. Louis a little bit of, of, a, of a breather because it took about maybe two minutes to get all the hats off. Yeah. That seemed like everybody threw a hat out uh, for, for that one. And everybody was obviously celebrating because, you know, to get the lead back after blowing it with about, you know, a minute and a half left, it just seemed like that was the end. That seemed like, destiny. You, know, yeah. you know, you even see how the guys reacted when they're celebrating, you know, the guys are jumping up and down the best. They, they, it, it felt like it was an overtime goal. If you weren't watching the game and just turned to it, you would have thought they had won an OT uh, the way everybody reacted. And so, St. Louis, like I said, you know, had kept their composure, 
Uh, and it was interesting, too, because Colorado also called a timeout before St. Louis called that timeout. So there was a lot of, of, of time for, for the top lot guys for St. Louis to get some rest, get plays drawn up, uh, and, and find a way to tie that game up again at four. And, and that's where I just like, you know, I talk about it every postseason on this program about killer instinct. The teams that win have killer instinct. And it doesn't always mean, you know, just you got to score a bunch of goals late and, and, and blow your team out. Look at Tampa Bay. The way they, they play defensively in the third period of, of closeout games, uh, you know, go back to Chicago and Pittsburgh and L.A., those teams, it, it, it's a, you got to play a complete game in the third to put a team away. And they simply just did not do that at, at either end of the ice. And, you know, missing clear outs. He said, even if you aren't shooting from the empty net, which, you know, I've talked about that at nauseum about how teams miss the empty net all the time. But, all right, just chip the puck into the blue line. Chip the puck into the, into the op- opposition zone. They couldn't do that at all. And they gave St. Louis tons of opportunities, and they were able to convert on it and, and force the game in the OT. Uh, so now, you know, like I said, going back to, to St. Louis for game six, you know, shouldn't rattle Colorado. If they are truly ready to – you know, get out of this second round and and be the team, the Stanley Cup favorite that everybody said they had been for all all season. You got to win this game. Uh, and then you said, yeah, technically they do have two chances left, but in my mind they have one. If you don't win here in Game Six, they're done in Game Seven. You know, and, and if you like St. Louis and you think they can make a comeback, look at the you know boards right now. Plus five forty five is the highest I'm seeing for them to you know turn around and win this series. Uh, you know. Colorado has to prove that they have that killer instinct and they got to do that in game six. And if they get out to an early lead, you have to keep, they have to play like they did in period one of game five for 60 minutes in game six. It's simple as that. You have to keep your foot on the gas the entire time. There's, you cannot let up on them at all because St. Louis is a team that's resilient enough. And, you know, they've been there. They've won a cup, you know, they, they've, they're, they've been in the place where, where Colorado hasn't. And uh, you know, that, that's what they're going to have to do. They're going to have to, to, you know, defy the odds and find a way to win this game on the road. And like I said, they've already done it twice. So it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be that, that difficult for them, but you got to take care of business in game six. You cannot go back home to game seven. That that's where, like I said, the, the mental block will just get bigger and, and stronger and, and the crowd is going to be disillusioned. And it's just going to be, it will not be a, a home ice advantage at all. In my opinion, you have to close it out in game six or it's over or it's over for the blues in seven. Simple as that. Wow, there you go. So Alex saying better win in game six or game seven, even back in Denver. You know that place is going to be tighter than a drum in game seven if it gets back there. They know it, that, that the pressure's all on the avalanche. And uh, in a building where St. Louis has now won two of the three games uh, in yeah. this series, game two, and of course last night, they were able to win uh, in Denver. Uh, it's just, it's, 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 it's maddening. It's maddening. All they need to do is put a third period that even – didn't have to be quite as good as the first two periods. Put something yeah. that somewhat resembled the first two periods mm-hmm. where you're dictating the terms. You're pushing the play. You're looking for 4-1 instead of just sitting back when it's 3-1 right. and just inviting St. Louis to just throw pucks on net at you over and over again. And every shift in that third period was a damn struggle for Colorado just to get the puck out of their own zone. Uh, and that's a how and the why do you play like that in the third period after you played so dominant over this team. You just looked like a flat-out better team than St. Louis for two periods, and then you looked like you uh, curled up into the fetal position, sucking your thumb in the third period. How? Why? How does that happen? Uh, and these are these are mental things for teams that can't get over that hump. These are things that constantly come back to them, or these instances where you can't close. Why do you all of a sudden change the way you played when you played so well uh, after the first two periods? Uh, absolutely frustrating. If you're Colorado, now you're worried a little bit and this next game. Now we're going to see uh, what they're all about. And how do you tell someone Alex brought it up? And it's a great point. Uh, how do you tell someone right now, given the history of the last three, four years with the avalanche in the second round, how do you tell someone, how do you you know say to them? Yeah. Blues plus five forty five to win the series. That's a bad bet right now. <laughs> how do you tell them that? I, I mean, right now you've got to think, Hey, win or lose at that price, given what Colorado's done recently, and after the, what I saw in the third period, that's what's hard. That's what's hard for me to reconcile, Alex. I thought for two periods, here's this team ready to take that next step, get to right. that next level. And then in the third period, it looked like last year, two years, three years ago, Colorado in the second period. Why? How? I don't know, but it's it's alarming. Yeah, it really is. It really is. Like I said, if, if they can't find that that gear, that second gear to, to you know put a team away late, then, yeah, like I said, what, who's to say that, you know, 
they can get that more. You know, I, I talk about this too a lot in the playoffs, looking at things from period to period. You know, Colorado has to completely forget at this point now what happened in that third period. You can't let it happen again, of course, but you have to put it out of your mind. You can't go into the beginning of game six thinking about what happened at the end of game five. You know, and and that, like I said, those are these are those little intangibles that we always talk about with with teams. You know, that's why Toronto didn't make it out of the first round. That's why Tampa Bay is a team that you know has been able to make it uh, and dominate the way they have in the last couple of rounds. The you know that that mental fortitude, in, in you know, it, we could talk about it too with Edmonton. You know, Edmonton's in a spot now where you know they're in the catbird seat, guys, trying to to close out a series. These teams that have struggled to do this over the years, it, it, it builds and builds, but you have to let it go. At the beginning of the game, you got to start fresh and and play your game. Play it in, you know. Except remember what you did in the first period. If you do, if you anything, if you remember anything from Game Five, remember the first period, not the third. That's Colorado's. That has to be their mindset going into Game Six. Because if you start thinking about all the bad things and that it starts piling up, next thing you know, you're down two nothing in their building, and all of a sudden, you know, it's going to be a whirlwind. So, you know, like I said, recognize what happened, but don't don't always remember. Yeah, absolutely true. Uh, no question about that. And uh, great point, too, uh, you made, Alex. We we talk about the Colorado faults, the Colorado flaws. Let's also applaud, appreciate, and respect and admire the St. Louis grit, the St. Louis resolve. We don't quit. We don't give up. We fight till the very end. And that's exactly what they did last night uh, in that game. And look, they've got guys. That, you know why they dig down and play can play like that and find a way? Because you look at this roster. Brandon Saad, cup champ. O'Reilly, cup champ, Perron, cup champ, Tarasenko, tup, cup champ, Braden Shen, cup champ, Kairou, cup champ. I mean, you go on down the list. Uh, the Stanley Cup experience and winning experience on this team, that's 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 how they can do that. That's how they pull off what they did last night, the St. Louis Blues. They have winning resolve. They have a, a strong mental for, uh, base because they've been in those pressure cookers. Hell, they went into Boston in the Game 7 three years ago and beat the Bruins. That tells you we when we when our best is required or our backs are against the wall and we need to raise our level, we can do that. That's what we're now wondering about Colorado. And that's what we now need to see from Colorado. And man, you talk about a fascinating must-see television experience. That is going to be tomorrow night, 8 p.m. Eastern time. Uh Colorado St. Louis game six. I mean, you talk about uh, a team under the microscope right now. That's the Colorado Avalanche. Let's see how they respond to it. Uh, all right, let's turn our attention to tonight. We've got two great games, two important game fives. Uh, we'll start with uh, the New York Rangers taking on the Carolina Hurricanes. We've got Carolina uh, minus 150, uh, home favorites here, series tied 2-2, total five and a half here across the board. I mean, it's been a homer series. It's the, the entire Stanley Cup playoffs so far, first and second round. The home team has won every game you know, in a series involving the Carolina Hurricanes. So that's the way it went in, game, in the first round against Boston. Home team won every game. That's the way it's gone here with the Rangers and the Hurricanes. And I'm, I'm just going to rely on it to follow suit uh, here tonight. I mean, Carolina has been outstanding at home. Uh, having the last line change, I think, matters for this team because their top pair is just so good when you're talking about, especially Jacob Slavin on it. When they are able to put it up against the best line, the top line, uh, of the New York Rangers, in this case, uh, the Criders, the line, you know, it's obviously going to make a difference and a positive for them to be able to get that last line change. It's made a difference here going into this uh, game, uh, going uh, into the playoffs, and they've taken advantage of it being undefeated at home, just like the Rangers in the game three and game four kind of took advantage of it. You know, you look at the Carolina Hurricanes in those two losses in New York, I wouldn't say they played terribly. They actually outshot the Rangers in the two games. Believe it or not, the shots were 75 to 61 in favor of the Carolina Hurricanes, even though they lost both games. But Igor Shosturkin is in a zone of complete and utter brilliance right now. Uh, I, th I thought he was absolutely phenomenal uh, in the two games at Madison Square Garden. That's a problem. And look, we talk about Florida's power play being the, a, a bit of an undoing for them. We need to talk about Carolina's power play. It's got to step up. Hasn't been good. And it hasn't really been good since uh, game uh, seven uh, of the series against Boston. In this series, they haven't scored with the man advantage, Carolina. Uh, they are now 0 for 8 uh, on the power play uh, in this year, or 0 for 9 uh, on the power play in this series. Uh, they do have the, their penalty kills outstanding. No question about that. Yet, the Rangers put a dent in it. 
with a power play goal in each of the two games at Madison Square Garden. So the special teams for Carolina power play is lifeless right now. And the penalty kill finally showed a, a couple chinks in the armor uh, against the Rangers. So I've got concerns here for Carolina. I do. But what I am going to do is I'm going to bank on them rebounding at home. They did that against Boston. I remember Boston game four. They got into penalty trouble. It was a frustrating loss. They got just absolutely schooled in the third period. I think Boston turned what was like a tie game into like a 5-2 win or something in that game. And we started to question Carolina a little bit. Okay, just because you're coming back home, are you going to be able to bounce back? And they did that. They played a phenomenal game five. I think you'll see that tonight. Uh, Antti Ront is also kind of, you know, there's been a couple pucks finally. We're waiting on him to maybe look a little bit, you know, ordinary at times. He's been he's been very good. I think overall, Antti Ront has had a very good playoffs. But the two games in the Rangers, you're seeing them bobble pucks. You're seeing them a little bit s- slow in terms of lateral movement. The Zabanajad power play goal in game three, that stands out. He didn't get over cl- quickly enough to the post. Uh, Zabanajad shot beat him uh, to the post side, the short side. Uh, so, and, of course, he had that shot in game three, in game four, rather. Zibanejad's goal where he makes the save, the puck dribbles behind him, and it's just an easy uh, backhand shot right into an empty net for Mika Zibanejad. Just these little signs that, you know, Ranta, not quite on top of it like he was maybe earlier in the playoffs. So can he get get it going? Keep in mind now, how many times in the last two, three, four years has he played this many games in a row, started this many games in a row with injuries, with being largely a backup goaltender and a backup option all these years? So you wonder, you know, as the minutes pile up, number of games pile up, is that having a detriment uh, toward Ronta? Uh, I'm not saying it is, but it is something to consider because this is not a guy that's played, you know, a boatload of hockey in between the pipes. That being said, I'll go with Carolina, and I'm going to lay the buck 50. I'm not going to do regulation. These these games have been too tight. You know, I could see this maybe being an overtime game. So in a game where I think it could still be close, could still be a one-goal game, uh, I, I'm going to lay the minus 150 with Carolina. I don't like doing it, and I don't do it often, but I'm going to go with Carolina here, minus 150 tonight. Alex, what do you think, Rangers, Hurricanes? Yeah, like I said, obviously it's been a home-dominated series, which we just, we saw that, you know, with these teams in the, the first round as well. And now, the you know, it's kind of, uh, you know, we talk about this often where in a seven-game series, you get a tie 2-2, now it's, it's a three-game series. So you got to, you know, you get a, a bit of a reset now for Carolina. Hey, you know, we've got two of the next three at home, but let's let's start off with, on a, you know, a fresh foot and, and try to get things rolling, and especially, like I said, with Ronta, the minutes piling up, that's a great point that you made. And I talk about that often, too, where you look at goalies and you got to kind of say the same thing with, with maybe Huso as well in St. Louis. But these backups and, and and Ronta even more, except with the injuries, you know, he doesn't get to play three, four, five games in a row often because even when he's healthy, they try to keep him healthy. So, they you know, alternate him. And, and he's been in spots where he's kind of the 1A, 1B uh, over the years. So. You know, that is something you have to kind of look at, the fatigue factor where Shesterkin's, you know, he's been the guy that can rest on him and they can they can ride him throughout the series. Maybe Ronta, you know, kind of starts to wear down over, over these next two or three games potentially. So there's something to keep in mind. But like I said, Carolina at home has, has been absolutely dominant. Uh, and, you know, someone in the chat mentioned about how, yes, this has been an under series, especially with the first periods. But we saw the pace in games three and four really amp up. And that obviously could be the crowd as well, you know, playing in Madison Square Garden. But. I just think now with both teams knowing, hey, we can, you know, get a, a jump on the series again and, and take a lead and, and force elimination in going into game six. I think we're going to see a lot of back and forth pace, high pace in the first period. And we're getting plus 115. Which we haven't been able to say that for a long time to get a, a plus price that high pregame on a first period over. It's been, you know, literally four or five years. So uh, I'm taking a shot with that. Uh, I feel like, like we're going to see a higher pace in the first period and then we'll see things kind of tamper down and slow down a bit, which might even open the door for a, a live under uh, if we get a high enough number, because obviously I don't think we're going to see, a, I don't think we're going to see a boatload of goals in any game, even, even a, in a series closeout. Like this is a series where I probably won't be betting the third period over in a game six or game seven because of how tight it's been. And even the draw, I mean, you see in the prices, like I said, I, at one point, I think game three, I saw plus 280 for the draw. That's the lowest price I've seen for, for a draw on the three-way line uh, in the last three or four years. No uh, doubt. T- yeah, tonight it's three oh five. So you know the the books are recognizing how how close of, of a series this is, how low scoring of a series this is. I think we see higher scoring in the first period, but then the defense kind of kicks in a little bit later and gives us a shot for a live under. So that's why I'm going to attack it tonight. 
Yeah, and by the way, we finally had it first period over cash in in game four uh, of this series with the 2-0 Ranger lead. Uh, it's been 4-0 to the under for the full game, but it's only 3-1 and to the under for the first period uh, in this series. We finally got the uh, first uh, inaugural first period over cashing in in this series in game four. And there was great, that was exceptional pace in game four. We were on the BetCast Tuesday night during it. Uh, DJ was on with me at the time uh, on the BetCast, and uh, we were talking about the pace was electrifying. It was back and forth. You know, it was a trading of chances type of first period with the Rangers and the Hurricanes in game four. And if you get something similar tonight, like if you just assume the pace and the shots and the quality and the chances and the offense generated is anywhere in the ballpark of what we saw Tuesday night in game four, then you're on the first period over. Simple as that. And you're on at a, pl- at a, at a price that's, you know, pretty damn appealing if you ask me plus 115 so uh, i think that's a, a decent way to go absolutely considering what we saw early in that game i think it did slow down part of that was the rangers had the lead right to nothing kind of looked toward more being looking at after their defensive zone at that point second period and onward with the two nothing lead uh but definitely yeah trocek is a great point kevin baker you're right there's a bunch of guys that have to where's fetchnikov here like uh, have you seen a guy's stock drop Quicker and and faster and harder in the playoffs if, if, than uh, Svechnikov. There's not. There's a few I could throw into that cat. Ranton and even for Colorado could pick it up a little bit. Uh, but definitely, you look at Svechnikov. This has been such a disappointing playoffs for him. I can't complain about Aho. You know he's been great. Seth Jarvis been outstanding. Uh, they they've been good. Uh, Natchez has had a million chances. Here's what I like tonight. Natchez is going to score a goal. He hit. I think he hit two posts in Game Four. Uh, Marty Natchez. And you know, I like that he's on the second line now with Trocek and Svechnikov. He's been the best player on that line. Svechnikov's been uh, absent. Can't find him with a telescope sometimes. Uh, Trocek's been underwhelming. He's been the best player on that line. Uh, He had two shots on goal and, you know, probably you could say he had three or four even because he had a couple of posts. Those don't count as shots on goal. So uh, I think Marty Natchez to get a point, Marty Natchez to score a goal. It's a phenomenal bet to me tonight because I think he's just he's done everything but put it in and of course you have to uh, tip your cap to Shesterkin uh, for that as well uh, who's been terrific in, in between the pipes but I'd go to Jarvis I'd go to Natchez as my top two player prop looks tonight for the uh, Hurricanes probably Aho too Aho's been good at home remember Aho got the big goal to tie game one uh, in this building uh, so I think those are the three Hurricanes I'd look at from props for the Rangers Andrew Kopp yeah uh, Andrew Kopp I think Jimmy Murphy who's not with us today, one of his uh, recommendations was going to be Andrew Kopp to get a point. I mean, I can't argue with that. He's been terrific, both ends of the ice for the Rangers. Uh, and again, you could go with Kreider Zibanejad if you want, but at the same time, you're now in Carolina, in Raleigh, North Kakalaki. You're now in a situation where Rod Brindamore is going to be able to put his Jacob Slavin defensive pairing uh, and his checking line led by Jordan Stahl out there against Kreider and Zibanejad. And that means, you know, asking that group for offense might be a little bit more difficult. So when it comes to Rangers props, look at Strom, look at Cop, look at maybe Lafreniere and that uh, kid line. Although they've moved Tyler Mott up to that line with Heedle, with Philip Heedle and Alexi Lafreniere. So I'd say I'd, I'd look at the second and the third line guys for the Rangers tonight if I'm going to look at their player props. And for Carolina, like I said, Ajo, Jarvis, and like I said, Marty Natchez is going to bury one at some point. He's had a million chances. He's on the second line. He's going to get minutes. He's going to get opportunity. I think Natchez point, Natchez goal tonight. Terrific look uh, for Carolina here. I think we got Andrew. Yes, we do. Andrew McGinnis, uh, welcome in. Good timing. Oh, guys. Just wrapping up our Rangers-Hurricanes discussion. What do you like here in game five? Yeah, I just, uh, I got to say, I was uh, driving home. I listened to a lot of stuff you guys said there. Great stuff uh, about, you know, last night's game. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things, that, you know, I, I agree with what Alex said that, you know, not like Colorado can't win in game seven, but it's just like, you better win tomorrow, you know? Yep. Um, and and the, the funny thing is, at first I thought, you know, they took their foot off the gas pedal and they tried to play not to lose. But really, that's just not, that's not true. I mean, it's like, I mean, again, both of you guys said it, but, you know, Alex saying hats off to St. Louis too is good credit. Yep. But, you know, you were talking about it too, Ian, about, you know, look, going back into the past couple of years and when the past begins to haunt you, I'd be real curious, you know, at the end of the year when they come out with those sound bites from the between the bench or between the periods, because I love watching what the coaches say to teams. You know, I want to know what Gabriel Landeskog told his team between intermissions and stuff like that, because 
to you know to, to get a hat trick from McKinnon and all this stuff and just to lose the game, it's tough, but should be a good game, uh, nonetheless. Next game, as far as this one goes, guys, look, I'll start with this. You guys know I'm high on Carolina, uh, but I sure as hell have not been high on them on the road. Unfortunately, I did lose one this playoffs on, on the road with them, but you know, when when I look at a record like that and a streak like that, it's not something I want to go against. And the fact of the matter is, if you shop around and look all around at every book offering these, the price is not getting better. It's getting worse if you like the Carolina Hurricanes, you know. I think Carolina first period money line is a pretty decent play. I think that under one and a half goals in the first period is a pretty good play. And and I think that we might get a good chance for a first period, uh, excuse me, a, a, a good in-game over position in this game. You know, but but when I look at, at what I've seen from the New York Rangers, I have to tip my hat and have to give credit to what I've seen from their guys stepping up and making big plays. But you guys know I don't talk about analytical numbers very often. If you look at their analytical numbers, it backs up what I've said all year kind of about this team. Shesterkin makes them look a hell of a lot better than they are. And they have a great, great team. So many great players in that team, great forwards. But... The goal save above average is just is phenomenal. And all these different advanced stats that I don't usually talk about. I went down that avenue, guys, after the last game, and it said to me, hey, you know, New York played well, but this series even, it's not like they've been outright dominating in the games that they've won either. So, uh, look, I, I, I already have some series bets and futures and stuff on Carolina, so I'm going to actually just cheer on those tonight. I don't want to get, you know, too heavy into one team type of thing. But I do think Carolina's going to hold it at home. But I do think we're going to see a slow start. So what I might end up doing is having a half bet on the first period money line for Carolina and a half bet on the under one and a half and hope I get that sweet spot at one nothing Carolina. I, I Like I said, I have not bet this game yet. These are all different things I'm considering. Um, but I'll tell you what, I'm not ready to go against the home record. I'm not ready to go against the home road differential and if this was this series was rangers at home and they had home ice i would probably tell you rangers in seven you know i i currently have a bet because i didn't want the juice the the heavy juice carolina in six and (laughs) based off recent history that's not happening (laughs) because they can't win on the road you know so i'm just going to cheer that on us for right now but uh all those bets i mentioned are ones that i'm considering looking at yep Definitely. Uh, there's a good question from Kevin. Uh, that's great. That's actually fascinating. Andrew likes the angles he likes because uh, Alex, total opposite. Uh, Alex oh, really? likes first period over and he's going to look for a live under. Andrew likes first period under. He's going to look for a live over. <laughs> so someone's going to win here. Someone's going <laughs> to. But and, and but it makes total sense. I mean, and you yeah. you can you know you can argue both sides because like I said, and, and Andrew, you're looking at it from a side. You know, you you have a side interest as well with Carolina yeah. and looking at like, I'm taking the side completely out of it. I'm just looking strictly from a total standpoint with this game. But yeah. so, so I understand. So it makes total sense. One, nothing Carolina. Yeah. It could totally end up leading to uh, uh, the game opening up more later in, in the period. I just think we're going to see uh, a higher pace in the first. And that's where we'll kind of see more of the intensity. And then the defense kind of kicks in. I get, lower. and I get that too. Yeah. And, and like, like you said, like I'm hoping Alex that the very worst out of that is a split. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I know that you, nobody wants, you shouldn't bet scared, but I'm more so just thinking, you know, hopefully if, if there are two goals, you know, Carolina is up <laughs> at some right. point or something like that. Uh, look, but, I, but I could see the angle of it, of it opening up and, and things like that uh, are, are kind of closing off. But we're going to learn a lot about this game, what's going to happen in the first five to ten minutes. Sure. That's, that's We all can agree on that, yeah, you know. For sure. Should be interesting to see. Will we yeah. be able to tell immediately that it's a Carolina home game or will it just be another game? Because that's that's the big question. And I like what Brendan Moore did in the... Because I don't like when, when players call out or coaches just call out players. Doesn't really do much for me, I don't think. But specifically, he said, our young guys can't be relied upon to win this series for us. I need the big guys. And what was the line, guys, that I was stressing against Boston? Was that third line? Nita Ryder, Jordan Stahl, Jordan Stahl has been around forever. I mean, yep. he might not be the Sebastian Ajo on that team, but he's someone that has to be relied upon to to play well both ends of the ice. Yeah. 
Definitely. And chip in a little bit uh, offensively, yeah. which actually, uh, you know, he's he did at times in the Boston series, but here in this series, you know, he's got one point, you know, in four games. Uh, and I know he's, he does so many other things, wins big face-offs, both zones, O-zone, D-zone, neutral zone, all three zones, I should say, wins face-offs, is out in all situations. There's a lot he does for it. He is physical. He is big. You know, he throw the body around, of course. So does all that for you, but you need him a little bit of offense, I think, from that whole group. I mean, Nita Riders had some moments in this series, but Boston has been quiet. Max Domi looks like a flash in the pan at this point, what he did in Game 7 against Boston. Uh, it's been pretty quiet from him ever since then, and he's now going to be buried on the fourth line, it looks like, uh, tonight for the uh, Hurricanes with Martin Nuke and uh, Koch and Yemi with Domi. It looks like that's going to be their uh, fourth line uh, tonight. So, uh, interesting game. Fascinating. Like Carolina has not lost at home. I don't think they're going to lose at home tonight, but boy, the Rangers do have a boatload of confidence. So they got their goaltender back playing as good as he's played most of the regular season again uh, in Igor Shesterkin, who, by the way, got, and Andrew mentioned the goals saved above average. He's fourth in the playoffs in that statistic. 10.6 goals saved above average, only trailing Ottinger, who's not in the playoffs, but he's the only reason it even got to game seven for Dallas uh, against Calgary. He's actually number one. Goal saved above average in the playoffs. Jake Ottinger with that incredible performance against Calgary. 15.79 goals saved above average. Vasilevsky is number two. Not surprising. 12.27. He's been utterly brilliant since game six in overtime against Toronto. That Since that moment, he's been unconscious, unconscious in that. He's been that good. How about Mike Smith? Edmonton, number three. 11.88 goals saved above average. And that's despite, you know, the horrible goal he gave up the last game he's been good he's been excellent no doubt other than the bad goal more mike smith mike smith as i said on twitter uh you know he's been great and uh, the expected here. goal numbers too ian rangers yeah. aren't that high up in that perspective yeah you know their goals haven't all been and, and and just you know because people in the chat i'm seeing and people online they know i'm kind of a rangers hater but you know I'm I'm a huge advocate for the scoring the crappy goals in the playoffs. Yeah. You know, look at Tampa Bay; they all all their goals aren't beautiful, you know. But that's what makes and look at Edmonton. Their success hasn't been all uh, McDavid highlight real goals either. Hyman, you know, slapping the puck in. That's what you need to do in the playoffs. So I'm not disrespecting the Rangers. I'm just saying that their goals haven't all been beauties either. And sometimes when that happens, there might be a game where. Those ones stop going in. Your goalie stops making, you know, flashy saves, and then the tides turn a little bit. But again, I'm a little bit biased because I'm cheering on Carolina. It is, and this is a big game for them. I mean, if Carolina does not win tonight, this is big trouble for them, just because they have not shown any ability to go on the road and win a playoff game. So this ends up being very, very important for them tonight to hold serve here. Uh, on home ice. I like the look, Olaf. Tyler Mott plus 700 just for a couple of bucks. I don't mind that at all. He's had shots. Uh, he's been able to get chances even in Carolina, which is important. You want to see how he does on the road uh, as well. And he's gotten some shots, some chances. He had the empty net goal, uh, obviously, in game three uh, of this series. I don't hate that, especially when you're getting plus 700 on him uh, to find the back of the net. All right, Battle of Alberta. Uh, no problem finding the back of the net for the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, in this series, they are now up three games to one. Uh, they're trying to close it out here tonight in game five. Calgary minus 150 home favorites, six and a half the total uh, in this game. Uh, this might be jumping on a sinking ship here, but I'm on the uh, flames here. My, same same thinking as Carolina, and I'll pay up to get minus 150. I'm not going to do regulation. I'm not going to do puck line. We're going to pay up to lay the buck 50 because I believe they're good enough to extend this back to game six. And I like Calgary's game for the majority of game four, despite the result not being what they wanted. Like you watch that game, especially after the first period and they had the tough start, which was Jacob Markstrom induced terrible giveaway to Ryan Nugent Hopkins bad. I think it didn't have the angle properly on Evander Kane's goal to make it three, nothing. It was a nice shot, but you know, no screen in front of him. You'd like to see a goalie of Markstrom's caliber, make that save. You know, he wasn't able to do that. Uh, but after that, I thought Calgary was the better hockey team. Second period, third period, uh, they came on, of course, they erased the 3 nothing deficit. They tied it. They made it 3-2 going into the third. Of course, the tying goal was that utterly inexplicable goal that goes in. Rasmus Anderson shoots it from inside his own blue line. The puck dips and dives and beats Mike Smith. I like how Mike Smith right away puts his arms up and looks at his teammates like, hey, you guys were to blame <laughs> for that. 
What the fuck? How? How is that possible? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Jeez, you, you're the one that lost the puck. Lost sight of it, man. Uh, I think that's pretty much pretty much on you there, Mike. But no, what I like from the Edmonton Oilers, and we talked about how Colorado not showing the mental fortitude that's required as of right now. Edmonton did that. Could you imagine the talking point in this series going into tonight's game? If this series is 2-2 and Calgary wins the other night, including tying the game the way they did, they would have said, oh, Edmonton, series changer, game changer, turning TSN turning point for the series would, have, would be Mike Smith giving up that goal. But Edmonton got the train back on the tracks. Ryan Nugent, of all people, I mean, with a two-goal game and the game winner to make it 4-3, give him credit. I mean, he's the longest-tenured oiler on that team right now. He's a nice time to remember that he's a former first round pick because we know we haven't always gotten that kind of production from him uh, over the years. It, what a time for his best game as an oiler, certainly best playoff game. I'd say best game overall of his career, you know, in that spot to take a three, one lead in the series in the battle of Alberta to come up large with two goals. Now one was gift wrap handed on a silver platter. He's like, I don't want to make, make the save here. You score this goal, Ryan. I think that's what Markstrom did on the first goal. But nevertheless, you give Nugent Hopkins the Nuge credit uh, for a, a good game and a big-time performance. And he hasn't had many, but he did the other night. Uh, like I said, I think Calgary's got a good punch back in them. I think what I liked about Calgary in the second period and in the third period is for the most part, not often, but in game two, in game three, first period of game four, Edmonton is just rolling in waves. The speed through the neutral zone, the odd man rushes, the transition chances, the high danger chances. Calgary's just not stopping any of those from happening. They did that in the second a lot better. They did that a lot better in the third. There were some adjustments. They were not allowing Edmonton to just roll and roll and just continue to get this relentless pressure and high danger looks consistently line after line, shift after shift. That's a positive for Calgary, even though they didn't win that game in game four. Now you bring it back home. Let's see if you can extend this series. I think they will. And like I said, I'm worried about this still being close. I, I'm also tempted, even though I like Calgary minus 150, because could this be Calgary explodes offensively, which I think they're overdue to, to happen, especially at home here. And remember, Mike Smith got shelled for nine goals, and he ended up getting pulled. Actually, got pulled in game one. Koskinen came in. And, and remember, Edmonton did give up nine goals in game one uh, in this series. I think it's an offensive explosion for Calgary that leads them to this victory. I like Calgary minus 150. I like over six and a half. And I'm also tempted, even though I like Calgary, just because this has been a, a, a ticket casher in every game so far in this series, and because you can see it's a plus price, even though Calgary might win, it's hard for me to ignore a plus price on Edmonton team total <laughs> over three and a half. I mean, they've scored at least four goals in every game of this series and even if Calgary's better defense, they were better defensively in game four and Edmonton still scored four goals. Plus, of course, the empty netter to make it five. So, so I think you could cash both. I, I honestly do. I think you could cash Calgary money line and the Edmonton team total over because I could see this being like 6-3 Calgary, 6-4 Calgary, even 5-4 Calgary. And Edmonton still gets you to at least four goals. I could see that. So it's kind of the strategy that I'm thinking of in this game, that I like Calgary, but I might put a couple of bucks too on this team total at over three and a half when Edmonton's hit that uh, in every game in this series. Andrew, we'll start with you on this one. Battle of Alberta, game five. I'm a little bit different than you, Ian, as far as just kind of the side, just for where I think that it, the, I think the only way Calgary can can win is if they stop playing pond hockey. You know, that's what all the analysts are saying, and I agree well, with them. Could be true. You know, like I, I just... I don't disagree that Calgary's due for an explosion, but and and look what happened in the first game. It was the first game, I believe, of the series. Yeah, I mean that was batshit crazy. But just from what we've seen, Calgary's recipe to success is a three three one hot three two hockey game. But to your point, Ian, when I was looking at different websites uh, earlier today and last night, that plus one forty I saw at our partners with DraftKings and the Hockey Podcast Network for over three and a half goals was ridiculous to me. Plus 140 to get four goals when they've been making scoring look easy as, as pie. And, you know, I, I just, but I think that the easier play might just be the over six and a half because I do think we're going to get a great effort out of Calgary. I just, I find it very, very hard. I know we had each goalie made a mistake, uh, a shitty one, that be, you know, 
one was a one timer from the other team <laughs> and one was a 130 foot goal, you know, that stuff's probably not going to happen again, but I haven't seen anything that's made me want to say, you know what, they're going to slow the pace down. It's going to be a horrible, like slow paced hockey game. There's nothing, you know, we, we have really two tales of different tapes tonight in hockey. You know, a series that could I, I could very well have a game tonight that's 2-1 for the Rangers or Hurricanes and a game tonight that could be 6-4 for a team. And it wouldn't shock all three of us. You know, I just think that that benefits Edmonton more, you know. But I'll tell you what, this might sound kind of crazy to some people, but I kind of hope Calgary wins. So then I'm going to bet Edmonton to win either the West or the Cup, and I'll get a better odds on it than I get now. Because Colorado, I think, is going to win their, their their series. But they've proven that they're not the best defensive team right now. And the way Edmonton is scoring, that could be a better series than some might think. So if I can get like, you know, eight, nine to one, something like that, on a team like that against Colorado, that could work out pretty well. But for right now, I'm sitting on plus one and a half games for the Oilers in the series, feeling pretty good about it. I'm going to keep just riding this over trend uh, until it does me wrong. Yeah, never mind feeling pretty good about it. It's won already. It's cashed already. Oh, yeah, it's uh, won already, yeah. <laughs> Calgary's got to – only way Calgary can win is if they come back and win in seven. And then yeah. plus one and a half games is still good uh, with that. So, uh, yeah, definitely. Oilers have been uh, – Oilers have been great in this series. Uh, and, they're again, it's really Connor, Leon, Evander, that group. That trio's outplayed Johnny, Matthew Kachuk, and Lindholm. It's really that simple. Uh, especially the last few games. And that's something that's going to have to uh, change. And that's why for Calgary tonight, that's probably what I'm looking at for props is mostly those three guys. It's got to be Johnny Hockey. It's got to be Matthew Kachuk. It's got to be Elias Lindholm. It's got to start with those three. If you want to sprinkle on Coleman, I, I wouldn't mind that either because, you know, he's and he did score two goals at home in game one uh, against this Edmonton team. And sometimes in the backs against the wall situation, he's the kind of guy you want to rely on. I remember some of those Tampa games last year, they needed a big game and a big win. And there's Blake Coleman scoring big goal for you. So that's something I'd consider for the Oilers. I wouldn't, I wouldn't adjust anything. Who's been getting it done for them offensively. Zach Hyman, you know, shots, goal score, prop point, you name it. Zach Hyman's where it's at right now for the Edmonton Oilers. Kane, of course, it goes without saying, like I say, you could go Connor and Leon, but the prop value there is nil, pretty much little or none when it comes to betting props involving McDavid and Dreisaitl right now. So you're better off looking at Kane. You're better off looking at Hyman, who have been every bit as good, in my opinion, this series for Edmonton as Connor, McDavid, and Leon Dreisaitl. Uh, Alex, what do you think here? Battle of Alberta, Game 5. Yeah, so, I mean, I've been looking at this, and I was talking about kind of looking at play, at a playoff series from a storyboard mode. If you look at it from that that angle, just period by period, obviously Calgary jumping out to the huge you know lead and, and running away with game one. They jumped out to a big lead in game two. But what did they do in both those games? They end up blowing those leads and end up, you know, letting Edmonton back in the game. And Edmonton's had momentum ever since. So, you know, in, in the minds of the Oilers, if, if they threw out game one and, and, and just said, hey, let's, you know, refocus and reset, which it seems like they did, in their heads, they're up three nothing, you know, and, and I think that momentum is, is is rolling on their side. Even going back to Calgary, I don't think that that's going to be much of an issue. Uh, they just got to play their game. He said, and, and the fact that Calgary's, you know, if they're letting them play a wide open game, then that that's the Edmonton's advantage. Uh, until Calgary can tie it down defensively, the Oilers can, like I said, just kind of run wild and, and let those top six guys go and uh, and get some goals. So I like Edmonton early, and I think Edmonton wins this game. I think they wrap up the series. I got him plus 130. I also bet Edmonton to win exactly by two goals at plus 650. Uh, obviously, you know, that's kind of counting on like maybe an empty net goal late yep. and getting some good value out of that. Uh, you know, it, this just seems like where Calgary, like I said, they just you know haven't been able to really get the, the ears on, on Edmonton at any point in the series. Uh, and Edmonton, you know, we talked about their history as well, where they've been a team that hasn't really, you know, made it that far. They've had their struggles, but for, the, for them to kind of, uh, be resilient in those early games in Calgary, uh, despite losing one of them. But, you know, like I said, winning three in a row, I think that momentum's on their side and getting a plus price with them right now uh, is a great spot. But, but Andrew, you make a great point about, uh, you know, if Calgary wins, you get a great shot at, at you know, getting uh, Edmonton to win the West. 
you know, a much better price because right now Calgary's eleven to one in that spot. So a win would kind of flip that a little bit. I don't know if you get mm. plus nine to one, but you'll probably get somewhere in the range of six fifty, seven fifty, which is yeah. still I think decent value. So I was kicking so myself, man, for not taking it last time. I was kicking myself. Yeah. Like I should have at least the last game I should have taken it. But now that it's three one, it's like I mean, I could still, but like, cause then they could win tonight and it's four one, and you know, I lost that value. <laughs> yeah, but right. I'm, yeah, that's that's the. But know, honestly, well, no, honestly, at this point, if you like, if you, if you like Edmonton to win the West and they win the night, wait till the series price comes out for it because they're going to be probably be plus four fifty, plus five hundred against Colorado. And anyway, just how everybody's looking at Colorado, you know, despite what they they've done if they win the night. So, so that that's the kind of way you can look at it from a, you know kind of future standpoint. But as far as this game goes, I think I think Edmonton takes care of business and and gets it done tonight. So I like the money line and I like them plus six fifty to win by exactly two goals. I like that. Just real quick, uh, you know, I wanted to say like because some people were asking me yesterday about you know doing West versus the Cup, and so like well, the way I look at it is if I did because that's a good call by Alex. If I did the West, because it's going to be a great price against Colorado anyway, right? But the way I look at it is personally, and you guys have been doing this a long time. If I bet that, I'd almost feel guilty if I made more than one or two wagers in that series on Colorado. You know what I'm saying? But if I take the if I take the cup wager, it's gonna it's enough wiggle room where I could literally bet on Colorado in a couple different spots during that series, make money, and if Edmonton squeaks it out in six or seven somehow, then I have a sweet ticket in the finals. You know what I mean? Like where I feel like if I bet the West, I can't really bet on Colorado because then you're kind of just betting against another ticket you already made. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yes and no. I mean, like I said, I I, I kind of get that that mindset. I mean, there have been times. Uh, go back a few years where it was a first round series between LA and San Jose. I bet San Jose to win the series. I bet San Jose game one, San Jose game two. I bet LA game three and that cash, and then had uh, San Jose four and five to to win the series all all the way through. Yeah, so Sweet. okay, you know, and I I mean I got lucky with that, but you can have my point is you can have an opinion on the series and still see things within games and yeah. bet on them and not and not you can you you know, you can divide the two. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't so you know it, it's possible. Just like we kind of gave Florida a chance against Tampa Bay, and Alex is exactly. right away yep. saying in game two, you know what? This is trouble for Florida. They ain't yep. getting it done here in this right. series. Yep. Jump I on had, them, had Florida, get swept, and there you go. I had Florida first period money line, but at the same time, I had that's when I made the Tampa bet for the sweep. So I, yep. you know, that was my point. If Florida didn't win the first period, they weren't winning that game. And if they weren't winning that game, they weren't winning that uh, in anything in that series. So. Yeah, good call, man. That was yeah, great. It's just it's got that gut feel. Sometimes it's not just about numbers; it's about gut feel and intuition, and that's what that was about. Intuition, just saying to you, this team looks like they might be toast if they lose both games at home. And if sure enough, they go to back to Tampa and lose both there, they get swept. And there's Alex, a recipient of a plus seven fifty winner uh, with Tampa Bay to get the four uh, nothing sweep. Uh, over the uh, Florida Panthers. All right, great stuff. Uh, great discussion. Uh, hope you enjoyed the show. I know some people are probably saying, ah, no guests today. What a fucking letdown. You just got to deal with the regular crew today. What a shit. Uh, <laughs> we appreciate it. But uh, no, it's actually nice. Nice to have just uh, actually us for a for change. Sure. Actually nice and refreshing. We love the guests, but uh, definitely nice to have us for a change. They but haven't really become it. guests anymore. It's a daily thing. <laughs> yeah, there <laughs> is. A, a daily new person. But we're yeah, going to have we're gonna we're actually off with guests till Sunday. So tomorrow and Saturday won't be uh actually we do have DJ Mitchell tomorrow. But he's he's a regular a better guest, so not yeah. a player guest I mean, but uh nevertheless he'll be on tomorrow. We look forward to that. Uh we appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh make sure you hit the like button. 176 live viewers. Uh we appreciate it uh, very much. Um Again, when it comes to the shows, there's going to be some days we're going to be off. Now, we do have some days that ahead of time we already have guests scheduled for next week where whether there's a game or not, we're going to be on because we've got the guest booked already uh, and we're going to go forward with the show. But there will be some days we don't have a show on a day that there's no games. So play it by ear uh, with the schedule moving forward uh, with the uh, Ice Guys is what we'll be doing. And keep in mind with the BetCast, too, we are expanding to two Betcasts per week starting next week uh, for the conference finals. But, you know, the schedule's up in the air. When is the East final starting? When is the West final going to start? So it's not a sure thing that we're going to be on our regular Tuesday next week. We may have to do Wednesday, Thursday betcasts or Monday, Wednesday or Wednesday, Friday. Who knows? But uh, we'll definitely uh, let you know as soon as uh, we plan it out, dates and times uh, for the betcast. But we're going to try to do two betcasts per week the rest of the season. Why is that? 
this conference finals, there's only one game a night. So we don't have to worry about doing the five, six hour marathon betcasts. I'm kind of thankful for that, to be quite honest with you. I enjoy them, but that's pretty damn long to be on the air. So, you know, we're going to be on for two and a half, three hours, one night for one game. And that's why I said, you know what? It's not long. You can do another night later in the week for the other series. Uh, again, two and a half, three hours. It's all it would be. So uh, that's why we're going to expand it to two betcasts uh, per week starting next week. And we'll do that for the conference finals and the Stanley Cup final uh, as well. So uh, looking forward to that. Uh, we're going to have some guests returning for a second time uh, in the month of June as well. So uh, good stuff on the tap here uh, for the ice guys. All right, we'll get to best bets in just a sec. A reminder, uh, DraftKings Sportsbook, official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL team. Get $150 in free bets if they win. If DraftKings Sportsbook isn't available uh, in your state, you can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contest. DraftKings giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, sign up for an account, use the promo code THPN, bet just $1 on any NHL uh, team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 years of age or older. Must reside in the DraftKings Sportsbook state. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Sign up for an account. Use the promo code THPN. All right, best bets to wrap it up for a Thursday. Alex, we'll start with you. What do you like for best bet? Yeah, I got to give this quick PSA out, and I know I, I do it all the time in reference to if you like any of the draws tonight or moving forward, make sure to bet the regulation draw. Do not bet game going to overtime. I'm seeing prices, you know, differences of 20 to 25 cents uh, with a couple of books that are that are posting those uh, in their expanded options. So just, you know, beware and, and make sure you, you know, shop around and check for those things. But uh, I, tonight I'm going with the uh, Rangers and Carolina first period over. Plus 115, that's a great price. Uh, we saw the pace uh, really ramp up in that last game in the first 20 minutes. I think we're going to see more of that as well, especially with Carolina returning home. Uh, that, that's just great value. And like I said, we, you know, don't get that kind of value pregame. Usually you have to kind of wait a few minutes to try and jump on a, a live first period over to get that kind of price. So uh, it's a good price, and I think we're going to see good form for both teams early in the contest. So let's go New York, Carolina, first period over, plus 115, my best bet. All right, Carolina, or New York Rangers, Carolina, over one and a half, plus 115, first period for Alex B. Smith with his uh, best bet. Uh, Andrew, what do you like for best bet? Let's go over six and a half here. Late game, Battle of Alberta, Calgary, Edmonton. I just don't think uh, things will change. You know, some things just stay the same. Uh, I think if Calgary has to win, um, if it's going to win this one, they want to play a low-scoring game, but I don't think it's possible. I think mean, they got to score four or five to to secure, and uh, Edmonton's offense is rolling right now. Uh, supporting cast getting involved. The stars are showing up. So give me the over here. All right, over six and a half. Calgary Edmonton for Andrew with his a best bet, and my best bet is going to be also from the Battle of Alberta. I fell into a burning ring of fire. I went down, 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 and the flames went higher. And it burns, burns, burns. The ring of fire. The ring of fire. Calgary Flames here, a minus 150 uh, against the uh, Edmonton Oilers for uh, best bet. They're extending this series to game six uh, against the uh, Edmonton Oilers. Uh, that is my best bet. And Johnny Cash agrees with me. Uh, right there. So uh, there you go. Calgary Flames uh, minus 150 with a little karaoke for you here on a Thursday uh, to extend the series against the uh, Edmonton Oilers. They actually play that after every Calgary win uh, at the uh, Saddle Dome. So we always hear that. I'm hoping to hear that tonight. I've heard it's unbelievable there. My girlfriend's family has uh, season tickets to the, the Flames. So of course, like I'm, I'm seeing pictures. I'm getting pictures of how electric the atmosphere is, and I've heard that song Ian, being played at the end. I mean, it seems like a great place to watch a hockey game. Yeah, it does, especially playoff time. The sea of red. Yeah, everybody's in a flame jersey. Everybody. Yeah. I think they kick you out at this point if you don't have a flame jersey. It's true. Imagine that you, way you show up in like a blue TV. golf shirt like this. Get the hell out of here! <laughs> Can you see what's going on? <laughs> Blend in with the crowd here. Come on. Right. Yeah. What if I just showed up to the game with this golf shirt on? This is yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, they say go home, change in your Flames jersey, and come back. It's like me at the club in Las Vegas years ago. Yeah. I wasn't dressed properly. <laughs> go back to your hotel, put some flopper on. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, they made you dress up that. more, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, a, yeah. Uh, that's a great story. What were you yeah. wearing, Ian? Oh, it was just they... you know golf shirt and I think shorts or something. Like shorts, yeah, yeah. yeah I and we think we're trying to get into a nightclub. Yeah. And you know, yeah. it's funny. I'll, I'll quickly tell the story. The, the funniest part of this too is that with another guy that was with us had lost his ID. He had his wallet taken while he's in Vegas. So he didn't have an ID. And even though we were on the list to get into this club, but you still need to show some ID. So when Ian had to go and change, I told Ian, I said, give me your ID quick. And so he went back to the hotel. I had he gave Ian's ID to this guy. Keep in mind, these two people don't look alike. Like very, like very different uh, features. But I was able to give the guy at the door a $50 handshake, you know, he just kind of waved us both in and then had to get the ID back. So when Ian came back around, had to go back out toward the line, hand him back his ID, then tell the bouncer, oh, yeah, this is my buddy. He's back. He changed his clothes and let him back in. So it was <laughs> I swear, because a lot of the times because I used to work at, uh, at a, a liquor store, mm-hmm. a lot of the times it's about like it's about just the act of like yeah. having, you know what I mean? Like just right. doing this, like 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 a lot of times, you know, like if my buddies came through my lineup I, when I was like checking people out. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes it's like yeah okay go ahead but sometimes it's like they put it out I don't even look at it but for the cameras so I don't get in shit you know what I mean right, exactly so it's yeah. like that like here's this card even though we just I gave you fifty bucks it doesn't matter you know like yeah like <laughs> after you had that handshake the guy probably couldn't give a fuck like exactly right yeah so yeah, it took care of everything so. yeah he did it was a, a great story it was yeah. uh, great uh, that whole trip was just uh, bonkers there. Uh, in uh, Las Vegas that time, but uh, great memories. It feels like it's it's unbelievable. It, it was as long ago as it was. I know, right? Yeah, uh, it's uh, it gets you scared about uh, you know where the time is going. Speaking of time, we're out of it here on the Ice Guys. Uh, thanks to everyone for joining us. We appreciate it. A reminder: the Ice Guys is live seven days a week, Monday to Friday, two p.m. Eastern, Saturday and Sunday noon Eastern. If you can't watch the show live, download the Ice Guys podcast in audio form on all major podcast platforms: Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. By Stitcher and iHeartRadio. Download the Ice Guys podcast when you can't watch the show live. For Alex B. Smith and Andrew McGinnis, I'm Ian Cameron. Have a great Thursday night. Enjoy the two game fives in the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. And we'll be back with you tomorrow on Friday for another edition of the Ice Guys presented by the Hockey Podcast Network.